The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Debenport. And this is Voices of Unity with Rev. Ellen Debenport. We are live on September 11th, 2018. This is a show, the format's a little different from some of the others. We invite different new thought leaders to share their wisdom and expertise or their body of work to help you dive deep into spiritual topics so you can discover new ideas and practices that will enhance your life. I'm really just the MC. Our guests are Unity Ministers and others who can share something special they've learned. And they're not here just once. They stay for six or eight weeks so we can truly explore their areas of special interest. Sometimes they'll talk about Unity teachings specifically, sometimes more generally related to spiritual practice. And this is, I think, week five with Reverend Ken Daigle. He's from Unity of San Francisco. And we're spending these weeks talking about science and spirituality, at least officially. Ken, (laughs) thanks for being here again. My pleasure. As we're talking today, feel free to join in or ask a question if you're listening live. You can call us at 816-251-3555, and we take all kinds of questions. So today's official topic is based on Brene Brown's work. You're probably familiar with that. And she talks about how most of us go around feeling unworthy and not good enough, and that radical vulnerability is the answer to that. But before we get to that, Ken... What's the latest in the saga of Joshua? Joshua is Ken's newborn baby son, and you're still in Nashville with him? I am. I'm still in Nashville today. He was born in Nashville, and he's in the NICU there because he was born with some medical issues. And so Ken has been keeping us up to date on that. Um, I saw the picture you posted on Facebook of Joshua with his big old eyes open, and he looks so wise and I know everybody says babies are old souls but that's really what you see in him Mm -hmm. thanks yeah so for our listeners who are just catching in today Joshua was born three weeks ago on Thursday so on Thursday he'll be three weeks old he was born premature and he was born with some uh, developmental um, physical issues in his uh, airway, windpipe, and mouth, and so he couldn't breathe. And so he had to be intubated and uh, put on a respirator in the first moments of his life. And it was terrifying and beautiful and affirming all at the same time. And last week I was talking very much about how to hold that space of knowing and with all the medical professionals around that the only thing I could do was to hold the prayerful space knowing that God was at work and it was beautiful and frightening all at once and oh it was magnificent and we've been on a journey a roller coaster through the weeks Joshua's gotten better 
And then this week, as it came up, you know, we set the topics how long ago, Ellen? Months ago, two mm -hmm. months ago, we set all these topics. And I knew we were going to talk about the gifts of imperfection. And we have, a, you know, a joke in our minister circles that wherever you set your talk title, that's all you'll experience that week. <laughs> that's right. You get to live so, it before you preach it. Right? Uh-huh. So the, uh, this week has been, for me, a process of... Uh, of stepping into the humanness and the expectations and the disappointments and the hardship, the pain that I have to witness my son go through on a day-to-day -day basis, whereas he struggles to breathe, uh, struggles to stay alive. He's been losing weight. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was born at five uh, pounds, three ounces, and this morning he was at four pounds, 0.15. So we lost about a pound. Um, and we're, we're I, I just started working with that this week. And that beautiful picture, I love that picture of him. I took it on Thursday and I posted it yesterday as I knew I was coming here to talk about this again. And that's the last day I saw his eyes. Because since then, as he's been losing weight, he's been retreating within to concentrate on what's important for him right now. And that's breathing and taking in nutrients and learning to process and to get healthy. But it's been frightening as a parent to, to witness and to watch. And I was saying, what's the difference? I mean, last week I spoke so clearly about knowing what my job was, to hold the spiritual high watch, to hold him in prayer and love him. And then this week, I found myself in the fear, in the fear and the depression. And one of the things that came to me was I realized that I was, uh, at that moment of his birth, the medical professionals had the job to do. But since then, I have stepped in. I have become his advocate. I've become, I change his diapers. I hold him, I help comfort him, I make sure he's dressed, I do all the things. And so there's a lot more doing in my life. There's a lot more physical being with him on a day-to-day -day basis that starts to blur the lines from our spiritual nature to our physical beingness. And so I got caught in some of the despair and I was making meaning out of the fact that he uh, wasn't opening his eyes uh, and he wasn't present to me in that way. Mm. And and um, then also, you know, the, um, the losing the weight uh, was scary and we hadn't heard uh, from the doctors uh, waiting for a consult with the ENTs. And then on Friday, they tried to feed him on a bottle, a specialized bottle that has a a very big cleft palate, and so he can't suckle a normal bottle. But they had a special one, and an expert came in to help see if he could do it. And Friday was a failure, and then she came back on Monday, and um, and Monday didn't work either. And so when I posted on Facebook and I was talking about it, it was really in the midst of the of the despair of this isn't working. Uh, I can see, I can know he's divine. I know how beautiful he is. And I am scared and I'm sad. Mm -hmm. uh, and both at the same time. And um, I was able to, and still can feel it as I talk about it. It's like, I am, don't know how this is going to work out. 
and um, I don't know that he's all right. And um, and it's hard as a parent to witness, and it's hard for him as a minister to admit that I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I'm doing it right. I don't know that I'm doing it enough. I don't know that if if I should be concerned or and I just got lost in it from that time. Um, but what happened was miraculous too. <laughs> in that moment of sharing that, all these forces started arriving. All these people and situations and feedback all started to shift. The hospital rounds happened and um, the nurses can see where I am and they said, well, what can we do to help? And I said, you can get ENT here, ear, nose and throat specialists. They were supposed to be there. I got there at 6 a.m. on Monday morning to have a consult with the ENTs and they never showed. They never mm. showed. And so uh, I... Uh, uh, and so my the doctor that's been with us for the three weeks said, okay, I'll have it happen. I'll make sure it happens. And and little by little, and, and then I'm waiting. The ENTs finally show up, and I learn so much about what's going on with Joshua and how, how pleased they are in his progress. And that as they figure out the right feeding ratio – that he will gain weight, there's no doubt, and they have other interventions that they can do, and that they gave me the whole spectrum. So what happened to Joshua physically was explained to me, and uh, just those kind of interactions and understandings put my mind at ease, and uh, and we were able to, uh, I, I was able to just relax and listen and hear and and participate and then after they left I was feeding I was holding him while he was being fed and and comforting him and in walks these two women and they are chaplains They're the chaplains from the hospital and one's a Methodist and one's a Baptist mm-hmm. and I invited them in I sat down I said well I'm a minister too and and uh, we started talking and you know we started sharing and it was beautiful. It was just uh, a moment of I allowed myself to be ministered to. I asked some beautiful questions. They didn't know what unity was. I got to talk about it. Uh, I got to be honest about how scared I was and got to be held and supported uh, by these two beautiful ministers. And at the end, we all uh, stood uh, over Joshua and prayed together and and we, I prayed an affirmative prayer uh, from the uh, point of view of God. Uh, Linda uh, Martella might have been proud. I hope she would have been proud. It's like because they wanted to understand our theology and wanted to understand how we approach these kind of things. And uh, by the end of it, I was shifted. So, I, to me, that was an incredible demonstration of Brene's work. Of understanding that when we allow ourselves to be really truly human, to be really vulnerable, to admit we don't know, to be scared, to say I'm scared, that the human connection with other people is what lifts us back to our 
our spiritual and true selves. That that willingness to be raw, you know, and, and it's what I felt yesterday, really raw, was the, the thing that I needed to be rather than pretending that I had it all together. I didn't. In that moment, I didn't. I was, I was scared. Scared. Mm-hmm. So, oh, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you know, one of my great learnings from listening to you, I knew this, but I love seeing that it really is possible, is that you can have all the human feelings and still know God is in this situation and everyone involved is an expression of the divine. And it's not contradictory. You can hold both those ideas at the same time. And in terms of Brene Brown's work, and nice segue, by the way, um, but you're right, you got to live exactly what we had planned to talk about anyway. And she says, trying to appear perfect, trying not to look weak or make mistakes is exactly what cuts us off from other people. We can't connect if we are inauthentic if we're trying to be somebody we're not or holding on for dear life to be perfect yeah it's, it, it it diminishes our our humanity and as you know we talked about before is uh the the quote from um Pierre de Chardin is you know we're spiritual beings having a human experience experience mm-hmm. if we deny our spiritual experience we're on some level denying the lesson of it we're denying the learning if it came here to learn something if we are here to demonstrate something then we have to own the demonstration we have to own the transformation of it all and um i, I was always struck by you know the the famous charles fillmore quote I fairly sizzle with zeal and enthusiasm mm-hmm. and spring forth with a mighty step to do the things that ought to be done by me. But what never gets talked about in my experience, what never gets talked about in unity or in unity services in that, about that expression, that's a wonderful, wonderful affirmation. And, and he wrote it in his 90s. Yeah. But he wrote it because of his physical challenges of being 90. Mm-hmm. He wrote it in his physical decline to affirm and to talk about what was his to do and how his body and how he saw his body and wanted his body to respond. But that part seems to get left out of our teachings. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew he wrote it when he was 93, but I just pictured him as a spry old man leaping out of bed to do what needs to be done by him. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, even Myrtle's, I am a child of God, therefore I do not inherit sickness when we give it in the uh in the two minute speech of it when we get it give it in the very very short version of that what we forgot and we don't talk about is that her healing took two years right two years while she was not feeling good Mm -hmm. but kept affirming that every cell in her body was whole and healthy two years of a process of healing um, not a destination. Right? And I so, love where she writes right. about that. By the way, if you're new to Unity, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, the people we're talking about, founded Unity in the late 1800s. And it was based on the power of mind over body. 
And again, I love Myrtle's story about going through her body organ by organ and speaking to each one with denials and affirmations. You know, you are not sick and weak. You are, uh, one of them was all a thrill with the sweet string. I don't know what she said. I wish I had it in front of me. But, you know, my eyes see clearly and my stomach works perfectly. And she kept affirming that. And it must have been so tempting to say, okay, I've done this for a year now and clearly it's not going to work. So all those mind over body people are just wrong. And I mean, how many times do we give up too soon? Yeah, we don't we don't stay the course to the the end result. And as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, there's someone listening out there today, some minister friend or some unitic out there or <laughs> person there who knows those quotes. So I invite them to call in and tell us exactly what Myrtle was saying to the parts of her body. Yes. I want to be able to say them to my body. And I, of course, want to be able to say them uh, to and for Joshua uh, in his healing. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. If you have those quotes handy and you're listening live, it's 816-251-3555. Or if you have a question or a comment or you just want to let Ken know that you're with him, uh, that would be great too. 816-251-3555. So let me ask what kind of support you have with you. Is JD there? Do you have relatives nearby? Or are you by yourself at this hospital? I am by myself right now at the hospital. Um, JD went back to San Francisco to put uh, start Roma in her first day of school. Roma is my our three year old daughter, and so she started school on Thursday. Oh. Uh, and so JD's back home taking care of her. Tonight I will get on a plane and fly home to San Francisco, and JD will fly here and across uh, paths so that one of us is always with Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, so, but amazingly, uh, in fact, I'm having lunch this afternoon with John McLean, who's the minister of the Unity of Nashville. Yes. So he and I have been in touch, and I saw him uh, to, uh, last Sunday, and we're going to have lunch today. And so I have a minister to go talk to. And then uh, we're staying here at these friends' home here, and it's beautiful. I'm looking out on this incredible uh, Harpeth River here in uh, uh, Nashville, and uh, they live on this nature preserve, so it's oh, astonishing, nice. and they're with me every day. And uh, I've been amazed by the connections that I've made in the hospital, you know, how there's no accidents, right? So there I am, I'm sitting alone in the hospital, there's a, um, a nurse's aide who comes around and refills all the supplies every day. And I'm sitting there taking care of Joshua, and she comes in, and she starts a conversation with me, and she finds out that we're adopting Joshua, and she tells me about her placing a child when she was 18, mm-hmm. and the journey of that. And mm-hmm. so uh, now every day that she sees me, we have uh, a moment together, and she, we talk about the journey of adoption and, and that. And my nurse yesterday was also amazing, was just so beautiful and wonderful. And she's my nurse again today for Joshua. And so um, she was ministering to me yesterday. She could see the look on my face. She talked to me about self-care. Mm-hmm. She talked to me. Right? So I went and had pancakes for lunch. And that was my version of self-care yesterday. <laughs> and some time away from the hospital. And um, But she also then, we were sitting and 
talking and she told me her story of having a child in NICU. Uh, and it's why she do, does her life work and her baby didn't make it. Uh-huh. Um, but she said, yeah. And so we talked about the pain of that and the journey. And she says, and it's all, it's the reason I do what I do again. And it was all good. Uh, it said, you know, not a, a new thought, not a unity person. And yet we all have the same journey. And she then had two other kids, and we talked about her kids, and we talked about nursing and parenting, and she's done this for 25 years working in the NICU, in the neonatal intensive care unit. And I'm just like, what a ministry, yes. right? What an absolute, how many parents does she see like me who walk through? And how many times does she get to do that? So... Um, I have been, again, all of that because I was really raw and honest yesterday. And vulnerable. In all the days. And vulnerable. Vulnerable, as as Brene talks about, (laughs) to be uh, excruciatingly vulnerable. Yeah, she'd be (laughs) proud of you. Hey, we have a caller. This is Elizabeth. Elizabeth, you should be on the air. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ellen. It's Elizabeth Mora from New Jersey. Hi. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Ken. It's so great to witness um, the difference between last week and this week. It's such a beautiful example of the spiritual and the human coming together. And I know for those of us on the spiritual path, sometimes you feel that you've got to keep that faith. And if a minister can show, you know, such naked vulnerability that it makes it okay. You give permission to others. And I wondered if you could talk about how you get over the fear, though, of showing that. So especially for people that work in, say, an office where you have to think about what you share and how vulnerable you are, could you talk about the the fear and, and maybe any of the ramifications that come from being so open. Hmm. That's a great <laughs> That's question, a, Ken. A great question. <laughs> and the, yeah, there are ramifications in the uh, corporate world, in the physical world, in every world uh, for showing vulnerability. Uh, but I think Brene's work and and my experiences being that the experience of it, the the results of it, are worth it. But um, she has a quote uh, uh, about the real meaning of, of courage, the original meaning of courage is about living wholehearted. And so wholehearted to me is all of your feelings, all of them. The fear, if it's all God, right, our first principle, there's only one power and one presence, God, right? So every emotion then has to be part of a of the divine. So if I'm feeling fear, um, I feel like I, I feel like I, if I can't exclude it, can't really describe this other than it's not the lack of fear. It's just action in the face of it. So I was very careful and cautious about what I said and what I put on Facebook, but it was also really clearly real. It wasn't a dump. It was, it wasn't just 
um, vomiting up my emotions. It was going, I see the wholeness and I see the pain. I see the struggle. I see the desperation. Um, it's disturbing, I think is the word I used on Facebook. I'm, I'm so disturbed and disappointed. And uh, that just crack, I called it a crack, right, into uh, let in so much. So I think it's, uh, there was, you know, how everything falls into place there. Uh, an ad came across my emails yesterday for a Byron Katie workshop. And I love Byron Katie. But the ad said, and I use a lot of, I've been using Katie's work in this going, my belief that Joshua should be different than he is, is the only thing really causing me pain. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. My belief that he shouldn't be suffering. My belief that he shouldn't be ill is the thing that's causing my distress. Oh yeah. That's really clear to mm -hmm. understand intellectually. He's exactly where he needs to be. He's exactly where he needs to be. But what was interesting in the Katie ad, so the Katie's work is really valuable, but the Katie ad on my email was eliminate fear from your life. Right? And it's like, oh, live a life without fear was, you know, basically the, the take. And I was like, I mean, is that possible, really? Huh. You know, what it is, <laughs> is it teaching me to live? It's a, and it's, a, it's an advertisement gimmick. Yeah, it's like it's not teaching to live a life without fear. It's a, it's able to give you the tools to navigate it when you, you experience it. That's what it is. So in the second I experience the fear, to go, oh, my belief that it should be different than this is causing me the pain, and I can also express it to other people. And I don't have to be alone in this. Alan is what, and that's why I didn't. You know, there was a, a moment when I thought. You know what? Let's call Ellen. She can get someone else. I'm going to step out of this for right now. I'm going to step out of this series. And I chose not to. I said, you know what? This is, is the teaching for me and for many of us. So my question, Elizabeth, before we have to really for break in one minute, is how do you apply that in your life? How are you working with that? Actually, we got to go to break now. Elizabeth, stay on the line if you want to. We'll come back and talk about this some more. This is Voices of Unity with Ellen Devonport and Ken Daigle. We'll be back after this. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. 
get that extravagant god is extravagant supply he brings forth the best robe he spreads a banquet table as we saw last night with good things on which we may feast he overflows our cup he opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing and then this is what the unity correspondence course said why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much to find out more about unity teachings visit unity.org would you like to show your support for unity online radio you can donate easily on your phone by texting the word voice to 50555 and donate $10 to support Unity Online Radio. It's easy to do, and your offering will help us keep inspirational and positive programming on the air. Remember, just text the word VOICE to 50555 and support your favorite shows on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Follow Unity Online Radio on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date with all your favorite shows. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our post. Be the first to find out about any big special guests that might be appearing on the air or any events at Unity Village. We want to hear from you. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. Thanks for listening. Stretch your mind and open your heart every Thursday at 10 a.m. Central with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien and the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way. Gain insights into spiritual principles that touch upon the most practical aspects of our lives, like work, relationships, health, and diet. Discover time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga, a philosophy for living a more fulfilled life in today's hectic world. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Ellen Devonport. We are back with Voices of Unity. Elizabeth is on the line Ken Daigle is here from San Francisco, but right now in Nashville. We were talking about fear, and I think we may be talking about two kinds of fear. One is the fear that you're feeling around Joshua and what the future might hold for him. The other is the fear of letting people see you be vulnerable. Is that accurate? Oh, I think that's absolutely nail on the head. There's two different fears going on. The, The actual fears of for and about my son's journey and then the fear of being exposed not having it all together or uh, of uh, that it'll all fall apart and i'll fall apart if yeah. i if i'm uh, real yeah so when we went to break you were asking elizabeth something do you remember what it was i was asking her how she has ex- experienced fear and deals with it in her own life if she had an experience of it that she could share with us too Sure. You know, I shared that, um, well, when Ken and I were in school together, uh, Ken was probably ahead of me on the vulnerability journey. (laughs) He gave a great uh, 
you know, student sermon on born using born this way and talking about his life. You know, he he wore jeans to interviews where he was supposed to wear a suit. And so I've always kind of watched Ken as a role model to be more vulnerable. And I have a friend who's especially vulnerable with her journey of depression, and I have suffered from that at times, too. And so even sharing that right now on the radio is a big deal for me. And what happened when I, when because of her vulnerability of sharing on Facebook about to overcome the stigma, stigma of depression, <clears throat> I reached out to her um, when I was really down going through some difficult things in my career recently, and she helped do some things, just like Ken found out by sharing um, on Facebook, and then people rushed in and, and doors opened. The same thing happened. I found that every time I have overcome the fear um, of not being perfect in people's eyes, that wonderful things have come from being vulnerable. And I know that Brene talks about being mindful of that, though, that there are people that you might not want to rush out and do that with, especially if you're early on the journey of vulnerability. Pick those that you know are safer. But even now I've gotten to the point where, in many cases, it's just worth, to me, being vulnerable because keeping it in makes me sick. And um, you know, not that everything is shared everywhere, but when in doubt, a little vulnerability usually cracks open a situation. It, it does, and it connects you to other people, I think, because they're so relieved. When I was a church minister, they loved it when I told stories about myself that made me look bad. Because, <laughs> and they would come up afterwards and say, oh, it's so good to know you're not perfect. And I wanted to say, did you ever think that I was perfect. But it's just that sharing of the human journey, I think, that people respond to. And you have to be a little bit vulnerable to let them know, well, yeah, I'm a spiritual being, but here's what's going on in my human experience. Yeah. yeah and and there's, there's a balance to it, which is part of us, the part that may be slightly wounded or that we question, and it should be treated gently so who you put it in front of and how you hold it is extremely important because you will have to in some cases allow people uh, to make mistakes in how to help you right because <laughs> they will in, in good intentions we all do overstep um, you know I was blessed yesterday I was around a team of incredible professionals the the chaplains who came in, the nurses who work with me, my fellow ministers, uh, who knew exactly how to let me be where I was, so that I could go through it. And uh, it's a skill, I think, if, if we've all practiced more uh, as a society and as a community and new thought culture, uh, to allow us to not to have to have be perfect all the time, that we could actually achieve what we're seeking to achieve much more rapidly. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Elizabeth, thanks so much for calling. Thank you. Uh, um, anyone else is welcome to call. The number is 816-251-3555. 
Uh, Kim, the other thing I noticed in your story, and this is probably the former reporter in me, is how much better you felt after you got more information when you talked to the ENTs and they could fill you in on what's happening and what they can do about it. And that's one of the tools I use. If, if things are seeming really bleak, I may not know everything there is to know about it. Right. Right. And it was amazing. So I'll share some of this. It's not my story, but I feel uh, comfortable in sharing this at this point uh, with the with the, the audience here. Is Joshua's story is this, uh, the physical issues. He's so it's breathing tube issues right now, but the, it's all resulting. It's all set back, and it's a little bit smaller than normal. What they did was to push his tongue, which is normal-sized, further back in his throat and up. So that's how he was developing. And when that happened, his palate, which was growing together, it grows from the sides. I learned so much yesterday. It grows from the sides, and it grows together into the center. But his tongue was in the way. Uh-huh. So it couldn't. It couldn't complete its development. So what that leaves us with today is like it was just one thing in all the millions of cells, the amazing journey of from a one-celled organism to this baby who sits before me. Um, one thing went slightly off plan, or maybe it is the plan, who knows. Mm-hmm. And then that shifted from that moment to cascade to this situation to this. So where we are is this is what is going on. He has trouble breathing because of the position of his tongue. He has trouble eating because his tongue and the palate can't make contact to make suction on a bottle. So what are the interventions that we do now? What are the choices along the way? Uh, and that's the conversation I had to, got to have. Mm-hmm. And our minds, our human minds, in the absence of information, make stuff up. Right, <laughs> yes. And we, even the best of us, those of us who have degrees in unity theology, make it up negative. <laughs> yes. <Right? laughs> yes. We make it up <laughs> negative. Uh, it's part of our human nature. Uh, and so that knowledge, uh, the, the asking for help and the asking for explanation and the asking for prognosis allowed me to shift my my thinking my negative thinking yeah yeah so which is um i think brene brown would call that resilience let's talk about her a little bit because because we said we would and because i think what she teaches and discovered in her research is so on point for what's going on and she says resilience is about being excruciatingly vulnerable which I just cringe when I read that. I don't want to be excruciatingly <laughs> vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it, I just felt it. I just felt the shudder of it as I was saying, yeah, I was I was making it up negative, my own negative thinking. I was like, ah, can I sit here and say that? But it's true, mm-hmm. so why not say it? You know, <laughs> pretending denial is not a river in Egypt. <laughs> um, so uh, she also goes on to say that wholehearted living, that people who are resilient, people who get back up and get back up and get back up no matter what's going on, mm-hmm. are people who understand that uh, they are worthy. That they're worthy even with 
their seeming faults, even with their uh, how much they don't get done, how much they think they're not enough. They still have an understanding that they're worthy. And it comes in a strange paradox for her because she didn't want this to be a result of her research, but right. it was. She was fighting it. She was literally fighting it the whole time. Is that uh, when you're vulnerable, when you're making other human connections with other people that can say, oh, you do that? Mm-hmm. Me too. I do that too. And I think that's what your congregants were saying to you. Yes. You know, it's like when you would tell the stories, it's like, oh, good, me too. That's what I do. And it's hard to admit that we do it. There's a great meme I saw recently. It's a, a, a mirror with a banana in front of it. And the banana in front of it is perfect. It's like a beautiful golden yellow banana. And on the other side, in the reflection in the mirror is a brown moldy banana oh. right and that the banana sees itself not as it really is and we all don't see ourselves as we really are but that understanding that we're whole and in in and perfect in spite of our imperfect perfections we get to be a masterpiece and a work in progress at the same time. at the same time and so people come to unity and we say you're divine you're just god walking around in human form and they hear the word divine and immediately think perfect and then they start to argue well no of course i'm not and so it's it's both and it's the spiritual being and the human experience it's yeah it's all of the above and to me that's such a relief to know yeah, well, there's a um, great metaphor for it, too. It's like, if it's all divine, that's great. So I'm looking out at this beautiful forest here right now, right? And in a forest, there is a sapling, there's a full-grown grown tree, and there's a rotting log. Mm-hmm. And all of them are divine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're all divine. They're all part of the forest. And that is all parts of us, our, our beginnings from John. Joshua to uh, to you and I, Ellen, who of course are the oak trees here. <laughs> Certainly, the fully grown, strong oak trees. Yeah, really strong, <laughs> vibrant oak trees. And then there's also the the fallen logs, and that is creating more life and more nutrients. It's all that circle. It's possible. And people who understand that in a in a in a real gut level, real real gut level don't have to prove anything um but 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 in Brene's work which she's actually identified which is why i love the science of it she looked at the science of who are these people who can do that who aren't trampled down by life's disappointments who aren't uh Uh, permanently out when something bad happens and they get back up and they recreate what what do they have and she actually came up with uh, things about how they dig deep and the three things that they do Uh, especially especially when they get exhausted and overwhelmed and depressed Mm -hmm. right that's when they do these things and they get deliberate in their thoughts their behaviors and through prayer and meditation or simply setting intentions. So she, she noticed that that's what they do. They like, well, I, what you just pointed out, I did yesterday. I got deliberate in my thoughts by asking for help, mm-hmm. by seeking clarification, right? And then I use prayer and meditation 
to help shift that for myself. And I think short shrift is given to intentions. In my Absolute Abundance course, I ask my students to set an intention every day. And I noticed in these three weeks, I hadn't been doing it myself. So when I get up in the morning, what do I want this day to unfold? How do I want to go through it? And just that simple five minutes of sitting with and setting an intention for the day will affect how it will unfold for me. I I love Bernays for that. The intention is about how you're going to be rather than what's going to happen. You know, what do I want to experience today is how I set an intention. Okay. So what do I want to experience in this day, right? Uh, it can be how I'm going to be, but um, I, I like to think of it about what I'm going to experience. So when I choose to see I'm going to experience love today in every situation, I look for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so uh, if I it's abundance, I'm trying to say, well, well, wow, look at the abundance of this day. Look at the richness of the conversation. Look at the richness of my life, uh, the the wealth of this cup of coffee. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I have my five dollar latte, I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so. So, OK, so you were going through the three things that people do when they can be knocked down and get back up. Be deliberate yeah. in their the, thoughts, the set third, intentions. The second one, yeah, it was inspired to make new and different choices. They get inspired. So they, they look for other examples that may be uh, through friends. It may be through some reading. It may be just be uh, realizing that, okay, I'm choosing this. Like that moment when I, was, I had the realization that my distress was coming from the belief that it shouldn't be, be this way. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, so I'm making a different choice there. That inspiration came from the Katie work of just having to 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 question what I was thinking, just to question everything. And that alone is a wonderful prayer. How can I see this differently? Yeah. And then be open to seeing it differently. Yeah. It was to to not to not dismiss an alternative way of seeing it. And in my old life and, and, and today, sometimes when I'm really entrenched, I will dismiss an alternative perspective out of hand. And then if I catch myself, I get to go back and do that again. So inspired to make new and different choices means that you've got to be willing to be inspired. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> By someone or something. Mm-hmm. And then her third point, her third what wholehearted and really deliberate people do is they take action. They get going. They get going. They just don't sit there and say, it's going to be different tomorrow or it's going to be different. Uh, it's not enough to affirm. It's a fifth principle. It's not enough to know that my body is whole and healthy. Back to the Myrtle Fillmore story, she sat there and she blessed every part of her body. But I also uh, read the story where she would get up and clean the house, <laughs> even oh. when she was feeling sad. Action to demonstrate her wholeness. And it goes back to the first week when we were talking about it, too, is about incorporating physicality in our affirmations. 
to get moving. But you know, so you could just be movement. It could be uh, speaking to the ENT doctors. It could be getting a second opinion. Uh, if you're going through a health challenge yourself, it could be going on a job interview. It could be as simple as pulling out your resume and starting to redo it. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Those are actions. And baby steps are not small for the baby. <laughs> That's <laughs> what good. I learned, right? My, yeah. my therapist sold me that once when I was like, oh, he was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll take the baby step. And he said, Ken, baby steps aren't small for the baby, they're life changing. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, I'm stealing Dang. that. That's really good. Yeah. So take that. Take that step. With however big, however small it can be, just get going. Take mm-hmm. that next and, step. And you're right. Part of this is what we talked about the very first week, which is brain health and how to take care of your brain, uh, yeah. like moving when you're doing affirmations and. Uh, there was a list of things you all can go back and listen to that first show, which, I, which was August 14th. And Ken gave us a whole list of things we can do to keep our brains healthy. And, and taking action is one of them. Moving your feet, literally physically moving, is yeah. one of the things we can do. And when I am depressed or scared, I so want to curl into a ball on the sofa yeah. and just stay there. And moving is especially hard then, so. Yeah, well, it, in, in that case, when you're curled in the ball on the sofa, it doesn't have to be big. It can be tapping your own body as you're saying it. So if you're uh, tapping your heart as you're saying your prayer, your affirmation, just that small motion of the physical movement is enough to ignite the atoms and the cells of your body and connect the words you're saying or thinking with your brain, with literally your brain thought. So that's what makes the new neural connection. So getting going, taking action can be as small as tapping yourself, right? You uh, you wrote something or gave a talk at one point about embracing your inner Pollyanna. And, you know, every time we talk about, yes, the baby is sick and things are difficult, but God's in that situation. I'm afraid someone's going to accuse us of being Pollyanna. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, yeah, um, one of my classmates, uh, Patty Williams, who's a minister in Salem, Oregon right now, actually did a talk about it. It was her chapel service. And I, it led me in this really curious, I said, you know, I've heard the term. I've never read the books. So I went back and read the books. Pollyanna in its day in the early 1900s was a phenomenon. It was like the Harry Potter of its day. It sold millions and millions of copies. It had a series of 14 books. There was a board game that Milton Bradley made that was called the Glad Game. And the the point of the game was amazing. It goes, in every situation, Pollyanna could always find something to be glad about. Her father, who was a minister, and they were, uh, you know, on a ministry mission somewhere in Africa, taught her this game. No matter what's going on in your life, Mm -hmm. find something to be glad about it. And she went around teaching it to people. So, the whole country for a while was populated with these people playing the glad game around their kitchen table. My class, uh, one of my absolute abundance classes, gave it to me. They found it on 
eBay, and they gave me the board set of the Pollyanna game. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's phenomenal. When you actually read the book, she's not oblivious to what's going on. If anything, she is she is hyper aware of all the hardships that she is facing and in every situation. But in every situation when she plays what's called the glad game, she looks at it and she goes, how can I see this differently? Mm-hmm. How can I find the good? So it's a conscious choice to find the good so that the situation shifts. And she does it with all these people. Her father dies. She gets moved into her Aunt Polly's house in uh, New England. And it's a very strict, very by the rules kind of house and situation. And in every situation and every person she encounters she teaches them the glad game and then something awful happens to Pollyanna she's hit by a car and she's paralyzed she's in the hospital and she can't play the glad game anymore and one by one all the people of the village who she's interacted with come to her hospital bed into her hospital side and play it for her and play it with her Mm -hmm. and remind her in that moment of who of what's possible and and it's this beautiful story that i think illustrates exactly what happened to me yesterday you know i i am an optimistic go-getter and i usually go through life creating some incredible stuff but yesterday was a hard day for me and all all of my friends and all the people I was honest with came and sat at my hospital bed, literally, and played the glad game with me. Mm-hmm. Not pretending that it wasn't going on, but also just holding the possibility of the good that was there in the moment. And that's what we do as community. That's why we have Sunday services. That's why we go to classes. That's why we have Unity Online Radio. What we're doing right here, right now, is playing the glad game with each other, (laughs) is is being Pollyanna in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. I say to all of you and to all of us to embrace our inner Pollyanna, to stop using it as a pejorative. Yes, I'm Pollyanna. On purpose, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. And it's an it's a great read. I even got it on Audible. I listened to it on the in the car, and it's actually a wonderful read. It's like I I will gladly admit that I was driving around listening to Pollyanna in my car, crying, oh. sobbing <laughs> as I was driving. So. Um, I think Pollyanna needs a revival. Well, I am especially glad (laughs) that you have been willing to share with us in such depth what you're going through. You've been willing to be vulnerable and uh, just show up as who you are. I'm glad that you didn't um, choose to step off. I kind of thought you might and wouldn't have blamed you at all Mm -hmm. if you had said, didn't anticipate this, I'm not going to be able to do the show. But I think it has been so enriching for everyone who's listened uh, just to hear how it works when you're really in the situation where you're having all the human feelings and you still know the spiritual practices. And it is possible to live both at once. I kind of think that's why we're here. Yeah. 
So yeah, thank you very much. Fully divine. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for being part of Voices of Unity. Uh, Ken will be with us again next week. We are going to talk about the placebo effect next week. Uh, Ken's going to talk about his own journey of healing and some simple life hacks to change your mind about your own health. So we hope you'll be back next week with Voices of Unity. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.